0: return at this time to 1st Timothy 2 we will read verses 1 through 6 verses 1 through 6 and it's interesting that as we start chapter 2 it says first of all and we wonder well what did Paul talk about in chapter 1 well Paul had introduced Himself to Timothy and to the church, and then he talked about the gospel. And finally, Paul is getting to what he wanted to tell Timothy. We read in 1 Timothy 2, verses 1 through 6 this First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings. The man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is a testimony given at the proper time. And in this letter to Timothy, Paul is talking to Timothy as a pastor. Not Paul as a pastor, but Timothy was a pastor in Ephesians. And he said, you should preach, you should teach your congregation what it is to live a Christ-centered life what it is to live a gospel-centered life, what it is to live a godly life. He said we do this because of the church, because of the world, the place that we live in. And so why would Paul so strongly urge Timothy in these things? We read in verse 5 that there is one God and there is one mediator between God and man, who is Christ Jesus. And so that leads to a question. When Paul is talking about a mediator, what is he talking about? What does a mediator do? And when I think of a mediator, I think of a person who stands between two people and works out an agreement, kind of like when uh, school teachers have a contract with a school board And the contract comes up, and the teachers say they want a big raise, and the school board says, I'm not going to give you a raise. And each of them can't come to an agreement, so they hire a mediator, someone who is able to talk to both sides, who's agreeable to both sides. And so that mediator goes back and forth to the union, school union, and to the Board of Education, and slowly on, they work in agreement. And finally, a contract is written, and both sides are in agreement, and it's signed. That's what a mediator does when we think about a mediator. There are many different situations where people are mediators. But when Paul says there's one mediator between God and man... Paul's definition of a mediator is very different than the mediator I just described. And how is it different? God chooses the mediator. Man didn't choose the mediator. And Paul says the mediator is Jesus Christ. And the second thing is that man does nothing in the mediation process. Man doesn't raise their hand and say, I want this, I want that. And then the mediator comes and negotiates with God and says, what is it that you want? And let's see if we can work something out. No. God is the one that imposes the contract on man. And so when we talk about Jesus being a mediator, Jesus is going to reconcile us with God. But Jesus is the one way, and it's his way. And in a theological sense, we say, well, what does Jesus do as a mediator? What is his activity? And when we talk about this from a theological perspective, we say that Jesus holds an office And there are three offices that Jesus holds that are part of his mediatory role. And we're talking from a theological perspective. And these offices are the prophet, the priest, and the king. Now, in our society, we say someone takes office. And so when a new president takes office... What happens? They go through a ceremony. They agree to uphold the rules of the office. And they have authority. And quite often when a new president takes office, as soon as they're done with this ceremony, they go back to their office in the White House and they sign some papers, their executive orders. If that person, president had tried to do that the day before, nothing would have happened. But now that the president has his authority, those executive orders are things that are going to happen because he has authority. Jesus Christ has an office. Jesus Christ has authority. But we didn't elect Jesus Christ to have this office. He wasn't chosen by God the Father to have those offices. Jesus has always been a prophet, a priest, and a king. You're perhaps familiar with what happened when a priest was ordained or was taken into his office. And the priest, as part of the ceremony, the way he got his authority, was that he was anointed. And so when we talk about Jesus Christ, the word Christ in Hebrew or in the Greek means anointed. So we're saying Jesus the anointed, and he was anointed with an office. And so the priest, as we read in Exodus 28, 41, he would be anointed with oil. And then a prophets were also also anointed. We read in 1 Kings 19, where Elijah anointed Elisha to become a prophet. And Elisha took Elijah's place when Elijah was taken up into heaven and he had been anointed with oil. And kings were anointed. Samuel anointed King Saul as a king. And he also anointed David as king as we read in 1 Samuel 10 and 1 Samuel 16. And even King Charles of England recently, last month, he was anointed. This thing of anointing has happened over the centuries and decades, except if you were watching the coronation on TV, you didn't see it happen. When it came time for him to be anointed, he went behind a screen. And you knew he was being anointed behind the screen. And the person who's the head of the Church of England anointed him with oil because this was between Charles and God. And everyone else was not part of that process. And so that's how they do it in England. And you're saying, okay, Jesus, was Jesus anointed? And we would say, yes, he was clearly gifted and anointed by God the way it was. But we also know that Jesus was anointed by the Holy Spirit. We read in Matthew three, sixteen that when Jesus was baptized by John, the Baptist, immediately he went up from the water and behold, the heavens were opened to him and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. He was anointed by the Spirit. You say, well... He wasn't anointed by oil, or was he? And there are two instances, I'll mention one. When Jesus was in the house of Simon the leper for dinner, and Simon the leper had been healed, a woman came up to him with an alabaster flask, a very expensive ointment, and she poured it on his head as he reclined at table. Now, whether these qualify as anointing, like we think about anointing a prophet, a priest, or a king, but we do know that Jesus was clearly anointed. He was gifted by God. And just as God's people in the Old Testament had prophet, priest, and king, so we in the New Testament have an ultimate, the final prophet, the final priest, the final king. And those Old Testament prophets were flawed. Those Old Testament prophets, priests, had fallibilities. The kings were sinful. But we have a prophet, a priest, and a king who is sinless, has no flaws, and has done whatever is expected of a prophet, priest, or king. And today, we want to talk about Jesus being the ultimate prophet. And just to review, what is a biblical prophet? A biblical prophet is a spokesman of God. And instead of God speaking directly to his people from the sky or wherever, God would put his words in a person, in a man. And so what did God tell the prophets to do? Usually what would happen, the prophets would tell people how they should live. And they wrote it down. They would write things. This is how you should behave because you are God's people. And then the prophets would say, you are sinning. And here's what you're doing, which is wrong. Turn from your sins. Come back to me. They were speaking with the voice of God. And sometimes the prophets were saying, you need to trust in the Lord, you're God. He is the one who's going to protect you. He is going to keep you out of danger. And lastly, sometimes a prophet would foretell the future. He would say, this is going to happen in the future. This is the punishment that's going to come upon people. This is something we can look forward to. And we know that the prophets spoke about a great person, a Messiah, that was going to come. And so, as we consider Jesus as a prophet, why do we say Jesus was a prophet? And I want to point out nine different ways in which we can tell that Jesus was the prophet. And the first one that we want to mention is this. That the Old Testament predicts and it expects that a great prophet will come in the future. And when Moses was preaching his last sermons, and he wrote them all down in the book of Deuteronomy, here is what Moses said. In Deuteronomy 18 verse 15, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you will listen. And in verse 18, he says, God told me I will raise up for them a prophet like you among their brothers and I will put my words in his mouth and he will speak to them all that I command him Moses predicted a great prophet Jesus is that great prophet the apostle Peter when he was preaching a sermon after Jesus resurrection and Jesus ascension Peter was in the temple, and he healed a lame man. And when he healed the lame man, it was a great opportunity to preach. And one of the things that Peter said during his sermon to the people, he said, What God foretold by the mouth of all prophets, that Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Just as Moses said, The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. The apostles believed that Jesus was that great prophet. Stephen, deacon Stephen, who was an able preacher, got in trouble with the authorities in the temple. And they arrested him. And he said, can I say a word before you do anything? And we have a very long sermon from Stephen. And eventually Stephen gets to Moses. And he said, this is is the Moses who said to the Israelites, God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. And then Stephen goes on and says that prophet is Jesus Christ. So firstly, we say Jesus was recognized as a prophet by the apostles, by his disciples. But secondly, the Old Testament prophets spoke the words of Christ. Peter, when he was writing Christians in his letter, 1 Peter 1, verse 10 Wrote this. He said, The prophets who prophesied of the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired about this salvation. And so he's saying prophets knew that there was going to be a salvation coming up, there was going to be a way of salvation. And then these prophets inquired what person or time was indicated by the spirit of Christ within them. Peter is saying, they were wondering about Christ even when they had the Spirit of Christ in them. When they were predicting, the Spirit of Christ helped them predict the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glory. Peter was talking about the Lord Jesus Christ And he's saying that Christ was there when the prophets were there. He was putting the words in the prophets' mouths to predict that he was going to live. And so Jesus predicted his own life on earth through the prophets. They were inspired by God. All the words of our Bible are the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. The third way we know Jesus is a prophet is that Jesus is considered the ultimate and final prophet. We read in Hebrews 1, verse 1, Long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. And in saying it that way, he's saying that Jesus is a prophet. He's the last prophet. There's no further revelation. The Bible is complete. The last prophet has been with us. And so that's what Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews spoke speaking about. The fourth way is that Jesus spoke to the people as a prophet. Jesus considered himself a prophet. And so Jesus was preaching in his hometown of Nazareth, and the people of Nazareth said, forget it, we know you. You're... You're not a prophet. This was Jesus' response in Mark 6, verse 4. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor. And he had been speaking in the neighboring towns. And everyone thought he was a prophet. And Jesus says, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his relatives and his own household. Jesus knew he was a prophet. And he's saying, you people in Nazareth, you don't see me as a prophet, but I am a prophet. And then later he spoke, up. He spoke the words. He spoke the words of his father. And remember, Jesus and the father are one. And Jesus was teaching, and he said, I have not spoken on my own authority. I'm not an independent person. But the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. Jesus considered himself a prophet. He spoke the words of his father. He and the father were one. The words that he spoke were prophetic words. When we think about it, when you think about the Bible, do you consider the Bible to be Jesus' words, God's words, all of the words? And do we think that the Bible is complete? that Jesus was that final prophet and after all the authors had finished their writing and the apostles had written what they needed to write, is there anything more that we need to know in order to live a holy life, in order to understand what salvation is? Well, the Roman Catholic Church thinks from time to time that the Pope has something to tell us. And so the Pope becomes inspired and he writes a paper and he said, this is the voice of God. And so every so often we get a paper that's written by a Pope that's supposedly the word of God. Joseph Smith in the 1800s, he had a revelation and he wrote it down. And now we have the Book of Mormon. Do we think Joseph Smith was a prophet? And there are other examples of people who have written things down because they think they are prophets. Now if somebody says to you, I have a word of God for you. Listen carefully. Are they speaking the words of the Bible to you? because they think you need to hear those words of the Bible? Or are they just telling you something that they have made up for you and they're saying, I'm speaking for God for you? Listen carefully when people tell you they have a word of God for you. The whole Bible is filled with words of God for you. It might be your friend is telling you, look, the Bible tells you don't lie, and I just heard you lie. That's a word of God for you. Or your friend might tell you, I think you should move to Florida. You seem like a Florida kind of person. God's telling me to tell you to move to Florida. That you're going to discount. That's not a word of God for you. Fifthly, how do we know Jesus is a prophet? Jesus' followers considered him to be a prophet and not just the 12 disciples. Jesus had many followers. After Jesus died on the cross, he was buried, and it seemed like that was the end. Two disciples, they were walking home they were in Jerusalem it was exciting to be in Jerusalem but they were part of living history they thought another prophet has been killed by the authorities just like it happened over and over again and Jesus joined them and Jesus said what are you talking about and and they said well uh, They said, well, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. These ordinary followers of Jesus considered him to be a prophet, and they thought they were living through that biblical moment. And then Jesus enlightened them. He was a prophet. He was the prophet. And so sixthly, Jesus' miracles affirmed he was the prophet. And when you think about it, he was like Moses, who used some mighty miracles to establish his authority and to show the power of Israel's God. And he was like Elijah, who confronted wicked King Ahab and his wife, Queen Jezebel, and he confronted all the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel, and the fire from God came down and burned, down the sac- burned up the sacrifice. Jesus had some miracles that were just as dramatic. We read in Luke seven sixteen, that Jesus saw a funeral procession, and there was a grieving mother, who was burying her son. And Jesus came up to the procession and he raised that young man from the dead. And the people who were there, part of the funeral procession, it says, fear seized them all. And they glorify God saying, a great prophet has risen among us and God has visited his people. Jesus was recognized by a prophet because of this miracle. And then then we read that Jesus preached in the temple and the chief priests were afraid to arrest him. Why? Because they feared the crowds, because they held him to be a prophet. And then another time we see that Jesus was with 5,000 people and they were hungry And there wasn't enough food around for them to go into a neighboring city and buy it all. And Jesus said, okay, I'll feed you. And after he was done feeding all the 5,000 and they picked up leftovers, the people, when they saw the sign that he had done, they said, this indeed is the prophet who is to come into the world. The disciples weren't the only ones who knew he was a prophet. The people, 5,000 people, believed he was a prophet. and He used miracles to establish the fact that he was sent from God. Seventhly, Jesus taught authoritatively. Jesus never said, Thus saith the Lord. Jesus taught in a way that showed that he knew what he was talking about. He was confident in his speech. And how could Jesus not teach with authority? He knew all of Scripture, they were all his words. He knew what the Scriptures taught, he knew how to explain every single Scripture that was in the Bible. Because he had written it. He knew the intent of every piece of scripture. He didn't need to rely on commentaries like we do. He didn't have to rely on anybody's writing. He knew the Bible cold and he knew why he had written every single word in the Bible. And when he taught, he taught confidently. Jesus was an excellent communicator of the word of God because he had written the word of God. We read read in Matthew that after he had given the Sermon on the Mount, and this was fairly near the beginning of his ministry, when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. That was who Jesus was. He taught with authority. The eighth way we know that Jesus was a prophet is that Jesus' teachings were, in the words of the late James Montgomery Boyce, egocentric. Now, this means that Jesus' teachings were about himself. You might be thinking, is Jesus a narcissist? He's talking about himself all the time. And he is really the opposite of a narcissist People who are narcissists only think about themselves and they think everyone around them needs to think about them and all everyone around them is there to serve them. Jesus was the opposite. He taught about himself because we need him. We need to know about him. We need to know what he did for us. Jesus is a prophet. He told us how to live in the kingdom of heaven as holy people according to God's word. Jesus condemned sinners, especially hypocrites. Jesus showed what it meant to trust in God. Jesus gave his life to reconcile his people to God. An example in Matthew 5, verse 11, he said, blessed are you, When others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account, Jesus taught about himself and he believed that people would be persecuted because of him. And he said you would be blessed because what I am teaching you is so vital to your life. And Jesus said, do not think, in Matthew 5, 17, that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. He was a fulfillment of prophecy. That was what Jesus taught. Do you listen to Jesus? Jesus is the only way. Jesus is the one mediator. He is the one God. Do you believe what he teaches is true? Do you believe it's egocentric in a good kind of way that we need to know about who he is and what he has done for us, the sacrifices he has gone through? And then lastly, number nine, Jesus is is the word of God. A prophet who speaks the word is the word. And we don't have time to develop this, but John wrote in John 1.1, and the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And in verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus' word is his flesh. And when we think about Jesus, we're saying he is the word of God. He is God. God and the word are the same in Jesus. When we read about Jesus' life on this earth, we are reading about his word. His life was his word. His actions were his word. His words were his word. He is the word of God. And one last question. If Jesus holds the office of prophet, and he's already given us his word, and he's already gone to the cross, and he's already been raised from the dead, and he's sitting in heaven today, and he has done, it seems like, everything that a prophet is going to do. So is Jesus a retired prophet? And we would say, no. Jesus is not retired. What is he doing? He is an active prophet working on the behalf of his people. Jesus is actively promoting his word. Every time you pick up your Bible, Jesus is guiding you in your understanding. Jesus is there through his Spirit with the Word of God. Every time you hear a sermon, every time you talk to someone else about what you believe, Jesus is behind all of this. And Jesus' Spirit, the Holy Spirit, which was given to us as the Spirit of God, is actively working in the hearts of men to teach and to preach and distribute the Word of God. In fact, Jesus said, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. It is Jesus who is working with the Holy Spirit, as described here in John fourteen twenty-five. And so you are an image bearer of God. And in a way, you are also a prophet of God because you can preach and you can teach and you can talk about the word of God through the help of the Holy Spirit. And so every time when you read the Bible, you are learning from the word of God. Every time you talk about a Christian lifestyle with your family, friends, or co-workers, or anybody you're speaking the words of God, you are like a prophet in some ways. You are doing the work of a prophet in your own lifestyle. You are reflecting who God is, who Jesus is.